Podcasts are an independent way for podcasters like me to bring a local voice to your ears. At the Spent the Rent Podcast, we strive to raise awareness of topics that affect the often underrepresented. Our title sponsor, Oregon Cashflow Pro, offers free money management advice that can help you take control of your finances. At OregonCashflowPro.com, you will find videos to guide you towards your goal of financial freedom. For more info, there will be a link in the show notes. The following podcast is available on all major streaming sites, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. You can now listen to all previous episodes, donate to the podcast, and buy shirts directly from the Spent the Rent podcast at our newly designed official website, strpod.com. You are listening to the Spent the Rent podcast, and now, here's your host, Patty Rose. Hello, I am Patty Rose, and welcome to the Spent the Rent podcast. Unfortunately, today I come to you with a somber tone. Uh, In this episode, we're going to honor a dear friend that I just heard has passed away. And uh, unfortunately, our good friend Lomo, Lauren Morrison, has passed away. I uh, prepared some words, and forgive me, I kind of wrote this quick, and I'm going to be reading it, so. Lomo was a good friend of mine for many years, an absolute beast on a microphone, and was just an incredible lyricist. Like many good artists, he was also dealt a very difficult hand early in life. Early adulthood, there were many struggles, including mental health. Though he was able to function in society and get by, he found it very difficult to stay consistent for too long. Recording and performing live hip-hop shows was his passion. And it took him all around the neighboring states and beyond, but it came with it came a lifestyle of partying. I don't know details of what happened, but I do know he will be missed by many. The imprint he left on the Eugene hip hop community is massive. Lomo was the epitome of a DIY artist. He hustled with the best of them, selling CDs out of his backpack and spitting ciphers in any venue, stage, smoking section or back alley he could find. But he was more than just a rapper. He was a charmer who was always trying to get you to smile. He was a friend to so many, and these past few days, the outpouring of love on social media among those close to him show the impact that he has left on all of us. I sat down with three Eugene MCs individually to hear stories they wanted to share about Lomo and hopefully give you a glimpse of just who he was. My first guest is Rio, uh, MC name Imperfect. Uh, Welcome, Rio, to the show. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I wish it was under better circumstances. Yeah, this is a somber tone. You and I have been friends for many, many years. Uh, and basically, Lomo's in all of it, you know, in our friendship. Yeah. Behind you, uh, you got a, a T-shirt from a, one of our defunct hip-hop crews, Critical Masters. There he is. Uh, yeah, but first of all, thank you so much, Lomo, or Rio. This is really awesome. You're up in Washington now? Yeah, yeah, Vancouver. So first of all, just when you heard the news about Lomo, tell me what, tell me what was going through your head. Oof, man. Um, yeah, I heard on Tuesday morning and I, I didn't really believe it. I mean, I think that's kind of often what's the case, right? Is you, you hear something like that and you don't believe it. I mean, we're around the same age and he was just one of those people that always seemed kind of indestructible like just strong person mentally and physically and so like it was really hard to to process um and i i went 
I started work for a little bit, but then I was like, I can't do this. Like I was, I was not functioning well. Um, so I just took the rest of the day off and I was like, man, Lomo would be writing right now. So I just started writing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was, it was just something that was really difficult to believe, really difficult to process. And, um, and it had been a long time since I had spoken to him. So it was, it was even more difficult just like kind of thinking about all, all the times we had together, like all the stuff we did together, all like, I mean, we lived together. Yeah. Um, so listening, so, you know, you and I, back in the day, we were recording on our home studios. You know, we had acid pro and we had our little makeshift mixers and our shitty mics and we would record hip hop songs. And, you know, I think the way that you and I met was because of, you doing poetry, live poetry, and Molly, a good friend of ours, connected us and was like, hey, I got a friend that does these live recordings. You should hit, hook up with them. A couple weeks before that, Lomo was walking down the road, and I see him, and I had met I'd known him for years, and I see him, and I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, I told him. I'm like, man, I've been making a bunch of music. He's like, really? I've been writing a lot. And so we had just, just connected, and then we connected with you guys, and it all kind of came together really quick where we had like 16 to 18 of us recording music yeah, our first show me and red that first show we did parallel minds was with lomo and you yeah um at the black forest yeah and i was thinking about that the other day i forgot all about that but yeah lomo was at my first show yeah so you know he's a long time you know and these shows we did a lot of free shows but this was kind of the hip-hop scene at the time there was a lot of people doing stuff but we were definitely a big part of it you know and just doing these fun shows and lomo I, I always had a hard time being a hip hop head. Lomo is hip hop. Like he's all about it. He was so into it. And, and so, yeah. Talk about the hip hop house. What was going on at that house? This is like on yeah. Willamette or something back 2004, five. Was it more like 2007? Oh my goodness. So yeah, talk about the hip hop house. Yeah. It probably would have been 2007 ish. Um, that sounds about right. I don't know. But, but I mean, yeah, Lomo, like it was me, Red and Lomo who lived in the house at that time when, I mean, it started, I think, uh, Sly was living with us first and then Lomo moved in after Sly, but basically we had a three studios in the house. So each of us had our own home studio and we got critical masters together. There was eight of us in critical masters and Literally, like if it wasn't like when Sly was there, Sly would start making a beat and then he'd probably have the hook and chorus recorded already. And then we'd all start getting on it. It was the same thing with Lomo. He would be getting on something. He'd be working on a beat. So it was like, I mean, there were nights we did like four or five songs in a night. Like it was just crazy. Like I, I would walk, get up in the morning to go to work. I'd grab my bike and I'd have to step over MCs like, tiptoe around them to not step on them in the living room just to get out of the house yeah it was but, yeah we made a lot of music a lot and like you had said you said you know three studios in one house in every room and so it's like dude at any given moment you could all be recording a separate song and so yeah that was a wild time talk about what kind of mc he was i mean lomo was an aggressive rapper like he he had different styles actually that's the beauty of it because he had yeah. so fun stuff but he also had that just gritty like real like felt pain kind of music but talk about kind of the influence that you saw from the you know the art that he put out yeah yeah i think for me the biggest influence is really like his i mean everything about him was skilled like he had his delivery was skilled 
um, his wordplay was skilled. Like he was good at everything he did, like singing um, when he when he did some singing stuff. But what what I really enjoyed about him the most is just how much he made music. Yeah, because I'm I'm so ADHD. Like I'm I'm constantly like trying to make music, and and I don't know if I had that before or if that's something that I learned from him because it, he was such a big influence. Because living in that house, like when when there was when critical masters together was together and we were doing like a ton of stuff all the time we were just making crazy amounts of music but even when that wasn't going on me and loma would just make songs all the time and it's interesting because he did have like kind of a a very like aggressive style at times but he also like you said he had the funny stuff but we me and him made a bunch of like really emotional stuff like we made a lot of songs about girls and stuff like that and like which was a kind of a different side of him that I got to see. And I don't think a lot of it was stuff he even wanted to release. He was, he was like, Oh no, I'm probably not going to release that. I've probably hopefully got some old stuff on my, my old computer that I have to dig through. But um, yeah, just the, the passion he had for music was, was really inspiring to me. The drive he had, I think I had a, a line on my first album where I was like, I'm trying to be more like Lomo Sapien, more driven, holding mics like without him, I feel naked. Um, and that was how he was. Like you, you didn't see Lomo not rapping. Like if if you saw him, he was if he wasn't freestyling, he was recording. Yeah. And he was just always had hip hop on his mind, and it was just like really fun to be around. Yeah. And then I mean, rapping out of a van, selling CDs out of a van. So I before Dude, he lived his dream like he that was so inspiring to me seemed like oh I'm going on tour and he just bought this van and then him and Ace all just did it it was sick yeah they just made it happen and they did a bunch of shows yeah yeah well so before I know before I move on to the next guest I want to talk about some of the somber stuff you know I mean Lomo had a lot of struggles and we all I mean this is no secret I talk about it on the podcast that I was when me and I met I was struggling a lot with alcoholism and our whole circle was partying except for you like you were, you were the only person and actually Lomo was this is the interesting thing that you guys both were pretty sober you know and during the, yeah yeah always completely sober he just not wasn't your bag ever and Lomo it was he was a late bloomer when it came to party to really like you know sedate or to sedatives you know and mm -hmm. I don't know what happened and I want to be clear when I say that like we don't know what happened to Lomo I don't know the details yet yeah. And to me, it doesn't necessarily matter because we're going to miss him regardless of how, what happened. It's going to be, our yeah. going to be there. So, but what I want to, you know, just, I want to talk about how, how I kind of want to talk about how bad it got, you know, that, that, that Lomo struggled deeply with mental health issues. And we were, we're telling stories about the, the really awesome, fun, youthful times where we were making music and doing cool stuff. But unfortunately, I mean, I've got, I could tell some personal stories that I won't, but I mean, he lived with my brother at a time. We've all struggled and bounced around in different things. But I mean, at the end, like you and I both had, had crossed paths with him, like out front of Albertsons asking for money. And this is why this is so heartbreaking, you know, because yeah. you had told me, and I hope it's okay that I share this, I, but you had told yeah. me that when we talked about this, when I first talked to you about this, that, uh, you felt guilty that, and I felt the same way that you're like, what could, why couldn't we have helped him more? And it's so difficult now that these conversations about mental health are happening. And I, what did I say? What did I say to you? I said, you can't, you can't do that. You can't beat yourself up. Yeah. Like you can't, because if we could have helped him, we would have. And in some ways we thought we were helping him by, you know, some tough love sometimes, 
And it's just, mm. ah, like when you lose somebody to mental health issues, it's so tough. It's, I don't even know where my question's at in this, but I just wanted you to talk about, you know, seeing him and like, there's all the good times and how we grew apart and how much that's been painful. Like just the, you know, just the reality of life. I just want to hear what you have to Yeah. Say. Yeah. And I don't really know, like, really how we grew apart. Like, I, I mean, he went on tour and he was got like, he moved out. He's like, I'm going on tour. I don't know when I'm coming back. So I can't pay rent anymore. And I was like, okay, that's sick. But, um, so we had to get a roommate, but I don't know where, where we kind of lost touch. I think it was that, I don't know how long he was touring for, to be honest, but I do remember seeing him at, um, at that Albertsons and, and, and yeah, it was, it was tough seeing him in the state that he was in. And it, it was, it was like, I was happy to see him, but I was also really, really sad about it as well. And, and so, yeah, there is a lot of guilt that like, and I mean, I was young at the time I was making no money, so I don't know what I could have even have done, but yeah, we didn't have any means to help each other. We could barely help yeah. ourselves. And, and I don't know, I mean, I know how I grew apart. My, my distance from you guys was, was I had a girlfriend that was kind of controlling and I just was drinking too much and I was embarrassing myself. And I just kind of distanced myself. There was this just kind of, we all were just crushing it and something was brewing and then it just got too much. Like there was too much chaos and too long of nights, you know? And yeah. I don't know. I honestly was shocked when I had heard kind of the decline with him because it shocked me. Because he, like I said, he never got into that side of partying he was always just right yeah. he was always making music but i don't know regardless of that stuff you know it's it's I, I think in the long run 20 years from now when we look back at this hopefully we get to and we're gonna remember his excitement his his energy his yeah his passion and that kind his, of his enthusiasm too like something i loved about lomo like and this is this is something that was really impressive to me is like he was the coolest dude. Like you, you always knew the girls liked him. You always knew the rappers liked him. You, like everyone liked him, but he still was so good at making you feel really good about yourself. Yeah. Like he was so encouraging. And it's like, usually that kind of person who has that much going for them is not that way. They're not trying to lift other people up. I, I don't know. I felt a lot of times in the past, but he was always like, like to have that guy who I had so much respect for. And like, I mean, I lived with him. I saw him every day, but he was always like trying to pump me up and lift me up and like, um, tell me how good a new verse was. Or like when I would accidentally forget a song and, and happen to freestyle, which everyone knew I didn't do well. Like I was, I mean, I was intimidated freestyling because of him, because I was living with this guy who was like one of the best freestylers I'd ever known. Sure. And he would say some of the sickest stuff, just like, off the top and i was like man i can never get that good i, I was intimidated by it yeah. but like i would miss miss a lyric at a show and end up freestyling like four bars eight bars whatever it would be and he'd be the one at the end like man rio that was really sick the way you said that that was like he knew my lyrics which was also really touching to me you know because all- a lot of people listen but they don't they know, don't necessarily know your music but he always knew my lyrics and he'd be like oh I, when you mess that up but then he went into the freestyle that was super sick yeah. so yeah he was just he pumped you up man like he always got you excited about whatever we were doing 
if you can live with somebody in your 20s and then still afterwards say something positive about them, that's pretty telling. That's pretty telling how important they are. Because roommate situation in your 20s, that makes or breaks a friend. You know, you know, it's yeah. it's it's tough. Those were tough times. I def- well, and that hip hop house was kind of a crazy place to live. Like it was Yeah. I, I felt like I got staph infection just sitting on the couch. <laughs> and Lobo was always trying to like keep it clean and tidy, but like he would clean up and then like six MCs would come over. Yeah. And yeah, there was nothing you could do. Well, Rio, Imperfect, M-P-R-F-C-T. You and I have been working on tracks behind the scenes. We just put out one called Some Things. You can listen to that. Patty Rose featuring Imperfect. Uh, It's on Spotify. Uh, Rio, I love love you, man. Uh, Thank you so much for doing this. I'm going to move on to the next guest, but, you know, props to Lomo. Yeah, yeah, definitely rest in peace and uh, love you too. And it's been kind of cool just seeing how much Lomo has brought people together, like in his passing, like I've talked to people I haven't talked to in 11, 12 years, just like to connect. So, yeah, so man. yeah, it's, it's sad, but I mean, he's, he's always kind of bringing people together. Like he always was. Yeah. Yeah. And it's bringing us together for sure. Well, thank you so much. You're welcome. My guest is uh, the owner operator of the big dirty KI KI. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. So this is on a somber tone. I wanted to reach out to you and ask you if you would do this, because I know that you and Lomo spent a lot of time on the stage together, putting put together shows. Uh, first and foremost, with a was it a monthly or a, a, a weekly show called Overflow? Talk about Overflow a little bit. Yeah, so every Sunday for about three years, we would do a freestyle cypher at the Samurai Duck, which is no longer... Uh, around and it was a metal bar and it was debaucherous and crazy and uh lomo and i had taken over that show after albert and uh and uh mac nut did stop doing it so they put it together we would always go there and freestyle and then they put us in charge of it moving forward for consecutive years yeah and and that was that was a lot of fun because anybody was welcome to get on a mic and i mean oh, there yeah, was, was a lot super, don't get me wrong there was a ton of talented people but there was a lot of people like me that were able to come and get on a mic that were not so qualified you were always good man you always bash yourself I just, <laughs> you were you were I was, interesting yeah. you did good stuff i was drinking the obstacles you know but uh so, anyway so yeah i mean the the history with Lomo is is interesting because I met Uncle Nancy at the Black Forest. He was performing like an industrial show. Like it was like nine inch nails. Like he had two microphones mm-hmm. and he's like just weird stuff. And afterwards I'm like, hey man, let me spit something I wrote. And I had never done any hip hop really, but I wrote this reggae song. So I spit it for him. And he was like, uh, yeah, we come over and record that. And then that weekend, uh, me, him, and then Billy D was there when I showed up. And we just recorded this like album that weekend. And that then I that was when it was kind of new to be able to do that, like have that technology, mm-hmm. you know, in yeah. our just on a computer. And then that was right before I saw Rio walking down the or uh, Loma walking down the street. And it was just within like a couple year period that it just boom, all of a sudden all, we're all making music. You know, it started with three yeah. blind mics, like you said, mm-hmm. uh, Albert and MacNut, but the original crew was three blind mics with Joel Bowie. Albert and Alex England and uh, uh, Steve Jackson, core one, 
you know, yeah. and yeah. so uh, yeah, and, and it's wild. But Lomo's at the beginning of all of it, and 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 I wanted to just kind of, I don't know, have the have some people from the hip hop community because I know as the operator and owner of the Big Dirty, you're still doing hip hop shows. You've kind of, you know, been at that for how many years? Have you been doing that now? Uh, well. I started like rapping and writing and stuff when I was like 14, 15 in California, but I moved here in 2008 and how I met all of you guys was when it was critical masters of the universe. Yep. You, I, I, I was working at Dairy Queen. I was 19 years old and a commercial came on like K duck or something. And it was like uh hip hop Olympics. There's going to be a, a crump dancing battle and a an MC battle and i went there my my buddies paid for me to get in and got me on it and then that's how i met like average joe and uh and even cerebral and insight and undermine who i ended up getting in a group with and after doing that battle uh i went to a party and i met lomo <clears throat> at that party and he's, he just told me, he was like, oh, you're the kid from that battle. And I was like, yeah, he's like, ah, I don't battle because I'll just punch you in the face. And I was like, thank you for the self-awareness. I appreciate you not doing that. And of course, he was hustling CDs in the, in the, at the house party and then turned into a freestyle cypher. We ended up really hitting it off. And every cypher that happened with us in it ended with he and I, the last two, blackout, oh, yeah. he was drunk most yeah. times. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. When we talked to Rio, one of the things that Rio spotlighted about Lomo was that he was just relentless. Like it, you saw him rapping more than talking, you know, you know, yeah. literally like, I mean, he would be yeah. rapping his, his order at McDonald's, you know, <laughs> you know, yeah. and, yeah. and so it was, it was impressive. Uh, he definitely as as, lived it and breathed it for his, like yeah. the majority of his like late twenties, early thirties, you know? I mean, when you guys were doing, so again, it was monthly or it was weekly. It was weekly. It, it was, was weekly. Yeah. yeah. How are you? I mean, so most of the content was literally just original content, right? I mean, at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Like 90 per 99 percent of it. We would we started incorporating like local MCs that would do a set and then we would go into the freestyle thing and we would do games like trying not to rhyme, compliment battles. So like and yeah. George, who was the bartender and Dano, who's from the Athearchist, were always there. And it's funny because when we first got it, it was a bunch of metalheads. And they did not like us doing a hip hop event there. And then they went oh, no, there I... and they saw, yeah. And then they saw it wasn't like, like, it's like, it's indie hip hop. It's not fucking TI or whatever, you know? So yeah. uh, we, we kind of bridged that gap. And then the atheist started joining it and George would just pour us peep, like just uh, pictures of PBR and we would just, Drinking freestyle from like nine to like two thirty a.m. I remember it was it was chaos. I remember the last time I had you on the podcast, I told you that one of the people that was work, were working there one day kicked me in the face. It was amazing. Yeah, <laughs> the same yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The bathroom was a single out. stall, and the door wouldn't shut, oh, and we would. It was a nightmare. Would, like I, it was a nightmare. Yeah, I, but you know, I would sit on the, the toilet thing. and keep the door shut with my foot. You know, and when we were young and we came up in a time where you really had very little. I mean, as far as when you're 18, 19, 20, you have nothing. You have like, you know, you don't maybe you probably don't have internet. You know, even though even though it kind of started to exist a little bit better, you know. I but was going to the library that, for the internet. 
Right. And that's where this whole story with Lomo kind of takes a turn. And and I and we had talked off air that you said you were kind of willing to talk about it. It's tough. And I I don't think it would be justice for Lomo to tell his story without telling the truth, without telling some of the dark side, you know. No, I agree. The and, dude was troubled. He had a hard life uh, from, from start to finish. From start yeah. to finish, he he and he always knew that and was aware of it and tried to fight against it. And you know, well, fighting. He was also trying to educate people on just the realities of mental health. Oh yeah. I mean, I, yeah. he was trying to use his voice because of it, you know. And I mean, one of my first memories of him was <clears throat> him acting a fool. He was like sixteen, seventeen and getting kicked out of a South Eugene football game for drinking beer. But he, but it was so brazen because just like Lomo, he, he walked in with his beer in his hand. Like he didn't yeah. even hide it. He was like, why can't I have, why can't I have this? You know, one of my and, favorite Lomo stories, if I may. Yeah. Am I? Okay. We did a show at John Henry's back in the day, the old John, Hen not the first John Henry's, but the second John Henry's. And after we're kind of, Lomo's sitting against the wall and he's rolling a blunt. This is probably 2010, you know? And, uh, so not legal. Yeah. No, it's not legal. He's rolling a blunt. He's got his girlfriend with him. And there's just this guy kind of like pacing back and forth out front talking about how he owns an MMA gym and he could beat up anybody here. And he's just being really aggressive and annoying and, loud and kind of just bumming everybody out and i'll never forget i was standing there and lomo's rolling a blunt and he's like oh yeah and we're on one he's like after i finish rolling this blunt i'm gonna knock you out you know and the guy's like oh yeah blah 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 he rolls it gets up the guy like fakes a punch lomo pop one punch guy's completely knocked out he walks away and just smokes his blunt it was one of the like billy wow. badass moments that i saw that was like he didn't go overboard he didn't start beating him while he was down he just one solid and walked away well, and, I know you're not, and what you're saying you're not from what it sounds like you're not condoning violence it's that this guy was actually making it the scene like threatening right as what it sounds like maybe not well <laughs> you i i'm a fan of street justice i'm not condoning it but uh <laughs> but like at a time when you know he was gonna assault somebody and that's what was, i mean is i remember yeah. those days and i remember I remember the way that people would kind of, people talk about it now, like in Eugene, they're like, oh no, people are way more aggressive. It's just not true. People have always been no. aggressive. There was a, there was a tone with a lot of the people that were uh, uh, playing by the rules that were, was more respectful back in the day, it seems like, more connected. I would but say that it's the exact same. There's just, yeah, there's more cameras now, so you see it more. Yeah, there was still feral situations going on. <clears throat> oh yeah. But yeah, I mean, but yeah, I mean, I just, I don't know, you know, I'm going to play a song at the end of the show and it's, 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 uh, it's called, uh, you're so ugly by Lomo and you've heard this track and I want to hear yeah. your thoughts on this because I, you know, Rio suggested it. I listened to it and I'm like, Whoa, dude, like it's, it's a dark. lot, you know, it's, yeah. it's really dark. And I, that's why I want to talk about it ahead of time. It's like, but I think it really shows what was kind of going on in his head. I mean, some heavy stuff. It's abstract. Going and it's on art, going in on in a lot of people's head and lives yeah. and yeah and mu music and art is made to make you feel uncomfortable and if there's one thing that lomo could do with his music it's make you feel uncomfortable because it always had really dark undertones it was always very moody and angsty and brooding and he was kind of well, that way and i don't want to take away from any individual's art creative style right but mm -hmm. i want to say yeah. that uncle nancy who now goes by joey helpish 
he's kind of the pioneer in our our circle of that because he brought that industrial like nine inch nails kind of like you know what be angry like almost lincoln yeah. parkish and cheesy but like for people will understand what i mean if i say that it's, it's ominous like, sounding hurting, hurting you know what i mean and so i mean now we've got guys like little peep and unfortunately it's like a similar fate you know you know with these but mm-hmm. there's a sadness that goes in there and i related to it you know and i i don't i don't care to say it because i know some people will listen to this and i'm that's why i'm doing this is because some yeah. people need to understand that there's different just different realities for people and for some it just is a reality of having nothing the only thing yeah. that lomo really really cared about but the only thing he ever had was his passion for his music yeah you know and his and, friends and, he was really friend oriented oh, yeah. you know like him oh, and yeah. mike mm-hmm. d were inseparable and you know right and I haven't talked Cruz. to Asol is who you're talking about. Asol and him, are, he, mm-hmm. they toured together. That was his homie. And I want to give mm-hmm. a shout out to Asol. First of all, Asol and I have the same birthday. Right. So every, every year we celebrate that together. So, right I mean, we're, we, we're definitely different circles, but we always, when we'd be out and about, we always remembered that. But I mean, the Eugene hip hop scene, even though it was like, uh, there were like different cliques, it was always very small. So regardless of whether we were like, interacting and commingling every day we were every week we were commingling because at that point we would all go to shows we would all support each other's shows we would all you know contribute to the scene at that point i mean that whole vibe that whole vibe is why is the whole reason i started this podcast that's the reason that i jumped to do this because and hip-hop artists why is because my spent the rent started as a hip-hop label you know Mm -hmm. i mean essentially in my Mm -hmm. house yeah. That's where we everything yeah. was being recorded. And so yeah. I just, I, and Lomo was at the very beginning of it. Lomo may have been, if I don't remember exactly, but Lomo and Sly Guy were the first two <clears> people <throat> that I was recording songs with, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, outside of Uncle Nancy, like outside of how that started with the antidote. But yeah. I mean, you know, when everybody talks about Acid Pro and stuff, that all started in my living room at 17th and Polk, you know, and, yeah. and Eugene. So it's pretty fun stuff, but. And anyway, just the hey. hip hop house, man. That place had to get oh, yeah. destroyed after what those guys did. We talked about the hip hop house when I talked to Rio, and we didn't mention that it was condemned. I mean, they, they had to, they had to, they had to build a condo there, dude. Those guys, yeah. those guys, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Hard, it was lot, right on yeah. the corner of 24th and Willamette. And you know, Eugene's just changed so much, but at that time, I mean, mm-hmm. it was just the peak. It was South Eugene. Yeah. We were just loving it. It was so much fun. But hey, so you guys are doing something for Lomo. You're, you guys are going to honor him. Unfortunately, I'm going to be in the UK. I'm going to be in England when you guys do this. So I'm going to miss it. Yeah. But I'm sure there's going to be a lot of pictures and, and whatnot. Hopefully you guys, you guys should try to record some live stuff if you can. Like if you have the setup we, to record like a live. We actually do you know, we'll record the whole, the whole night. That, um, and that, that would be incredible. And then, you know, but I want to talk about that a little bit. So like I had said, you're the owner operator of the Big Dirty, which is downtown. Uh, what's the, where's the address in downtown Eugene? 844 Olive Street. It's like right in Barmuda. It's across the street from the horse. Yeah, and you've the been, old you've been like really, building. Right. And you guys have been adding some awesome stuff, like painting up the walls and stuff outside so that it looks even it pops so much more. Some characters and stuff. Oh, what do you have planned for it's the the memorial? It's the low memorial. Is that correct? Is what you're calling yeah, the it? Memorial. The low the memorial. Low memorial. Gonna... The, the low memorial. Right. September 2nd. So yeah. uh, talk, tell me about what that's all about. So a lot of the old school, old guys who are all married and have kids now and live in all other parts of the world, but like 2008 to 2016 were like 
living and breathing, trying to bring a hip hop scene here and bringing shows that would otherwise pass over and booking stuff like Lomo and ASOL and Eb One and all these guys who were all kind of interconnected really through Lomo, which it's funny because a lot of these guys I haven't talked to in a while. And when they found about Lomo's passing, they'd reach out and they'd be like, I like, he was like, it's this six degrees of separation from Kevin Bacon or whatever. Like he's like an integral part in all of it. So like, I wouldn't know Eb who was like my bandmate for years and my roommate, if we didn't do shows with Lomo, which he put me on at world flavors. I don't know if you remember that place. Yeah. It's a tiny oh, yeah. little cafe. Yeah. And uh, I met Eb through that. So it's like we all kind of decided to come together and uh, do some of our older music and reach out to the people that knew him and loved him and maybe lost contact with him over the rough patch before his his passing and stuff. But um, so, yeah, it's going to be like effectively an overflow show like we used to do at Samurai Duck, except we're going to do a couple of short sets. And then we're just going to open up the mics, play beats and freestyle. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, and you it's going to be free, up, which is amazing because that's kind of honoring. You had said that on Facebook, honoring the tradition of kind of the free show that it's just open for everybody that wants to get up yeah. on a mic if you want and, and enjoy some yeah. some individual kind of underground abstract hip hop. I mean, it's so unique, the stuff that we we've done over the years. And there's I mean, good, there's guys, bad, there's ugly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you guys also do some incredible stuff. I mean, the you got you. you're gonna be doing a show coming up too that I think it's this weekend, uh, with uh um uh, oh my gosh, with primates. The primates, right? You're yeah. Be, yeah. So that'll be and that's at uh, is it John Henry's or or Blair? No, it's actually it? at Blair Alley, yeah. Blair Alley for, Blair the, Alley Lit- Arcade. for the Lineker block party. Oh, sweet. Okay, cool. Well, hey, K.I., thank you so much. Everybody, check out the Big Dirty. This is a sweet venue. There's awesome shows going on, local music and touring music all the time. So check out the Big Dirty for that. Uh, K.I. And if you knew Lomo thank- or didn't know Lomo, come out September 2nd and pay some respects. If you have photos, send them to me on Facebook or Instagram of Lomo performance photos, anything. We'd like to put them up on a slideshow. Anything with Lomo, with Lauren Morrison. Shout out to Lomo. I mean, this is all, we're doing this episode to honor him. So K.I., thank you so much, man. No problem, man. All right. Joining us now from his car is the good friend Ender One. Thank you so much. I know this is on a somber tone. I keep saying that, but it's so true. Uh, I, I I really do appreciate you at least taking the time to sit down with me and talking about Lomo for, for a few minutes. So thanks a lot. Yeah, no thanks. thanks for being here. No thanks. Yeah, no thanks even needed, man. I appreciate you reaching out and being uh, being a voice, um, you know, to send out some good some good vibes out of something that's obviously not fun to talk about. I think why it was important to me to spotlight Lomo because I mean, I, it's impossible to spotlight every single one of our friends that passes away because it's happening so frequently, you know. And we, I mean, everywhere Facts. you look, there's people that we care about. The reason that I chose to do this is because this podcast was started on hip hop. It was spent the rent yeah. spent the rent records was what I was all about. And right, right. Branched yeah. out into community. That's what it's. That's what it was all about. So you being my first guest, you know, I mean, there's so many reasons. Oh, there's so many reasons to do it. But anyway, Lomo. I mean, Lomo was such a huge part of the Eugene hip hop scene. I want to hear what you have to say about his presence in the community. Man, you know, Lomo is a staple in Eugene hip hop, and I, w- I would say, like, over the course of the last ten to twenty years, as as much 
criticism as I hear locals giving local hip hop in Eugene, the fact is that there is kind of a core group um, of MCs that came up around the same era and the same time. And uh, I'm honored to be a considered a, a part of that group, you know, and Lomo um, was one of the, the rare MCs that I remember that you just couldn't forget what he did on a microphone and what he did as far as his energy. You know, he brought a certain charisma, stage presence, um, combined with his lyrical ability um, and songwriting. Um, I just, as a performer, even in those days of being young and hungry and just, you know, just wanting my chance on a microphone and blah, 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 you know, just kind of having my selfish ego moments as a young MC. I remember looking at him and seeing what he did as far as his performances live and being like, man, this fucking guy has some shit. Like he has, he has some shit. He has whatever that it factor is. And it was, it was impressive to watch. And, um, and not only that, but like, you could just tell so clearly, um, his love for music and his love for what he did on that microphone and his love for emceeing and, and the art of it and his humor and being able to combine all of it. Like, like, so <laughs> I'm humbled to say that I've done this long enough to see a bunch of types of MCs on a microphone, a bunch of types of rappers. And it's, it's really rare that you catch somebody that can not only carry the mic well and conduct their business as far as their songs from song to song to song, but also to hold the crowd in between songs, which is, the emceeing part, right? Which is the, the host ability, the microphone controller ability. And he had that innate talent where he could hold the crowd's attention, whether it be humor, whether it be like a real story that he was going through or, you know, whatever it happened to be. And, uh, um, he was just somebody that I really hope that the young up and coming, you know, kind of local artists, and I know it's hard, right? Because that era, we weren't really in the smartphone era, you know, of things. But that also, that also to me is why that kind of, um, that pool of MCs and that, and that era that like, I know you hear like, you know, you hear old timers and people that have been doing this shit for a long time. And they always talk about their era and their time and how, you know, shit back in my day and, you know, and all this. I hate to sound like that, but the reality is, is that I came up in a time where if you were on a stage and, and had a microphone in, you, in your hand, you better have talent. You better have talent. You better have skills. You better come with some shit or you're getting booed. You might get beat the fuck up. You know what I'm saying? Like, like it was just like, that's how it was. You know, you had a reputation to uphold as soon as you touched that microphone and uh, word would get out if you didn't, you know, and, and all these. And Loma was one of those rare rare cats that on and on and off the microphone was just a good human to be around. Yeah. Yeah. His smile. He just, yeah. man, I choke up talking about it. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, the semantics when you say like there's rappers and then there's hip hop artists and there's, you know what I mean? But like he did it all. Like, and you're talking about like, in this, there's a situation where there's straight rappers, right? Where it's like, we're not having any, any cupcakes in there, you know? Yeah, no, facts, Lomo, yeah. Lomo was cool in every setting. Like that's, he yep. came in with the skaters, yep. he came in with the, you know, but you know, I remember one time and this is a ridiculous comparison, but I literally remember, I didn't have anyone to compare him to. 
And I'm thinking Tupac. Now, I'm not comparing him to Tupac, but <laughs> hear me out. I, I just knowing someone personally that was a friend of mine that really I got him on the mic to record for the first time. You know, I mean, he was, so, he was, but I, I got him on the mic the first oh shit, time. You, you cut out for a second. I don't know what happened. But. You're back. You're back. But, he, you know, he just the way that he, it's so believable and so natural. You know what I mean? Right. Like that. Yeah. Oh, no, no. Like I couldn't yeah. even think of anyone. I had just, you know, I don't know. And it, you know, it's just, it's a sad, it's a big loss. And then, you know, I want to talk a little bit about the mental health stuff because yeah. I mean, yeah. and, and addiction, you and I both have been very public about our experiences um, with, you know, substances Absolutely. and then, and then our sobriety and, and, and the hard, hard work and then dealing with the mental health and like, you know, having to be able to turn it on and off, like what your access to the world is, of it's course, really, it's really difficult. And I, you know, I've, there's so many people that I know that know Lomo in different capacities that there's interviews stories that it's just, you know, he lived with my brother for a bit and that was at a low, low for both of them. And so it's right. so sad. Right. There's just so much there, you know, and for sure. I just wanted to hear what you have to say about like, you know, our community and what we can do for each other when it comes to mental health, because everybody's hurting. And I, I get, you get, you get asked this a lot, but we need the, no, end, it's need a, the end of pep talk. <laughs> no, and no, the, the, the reality is that like this, this, the topic of addiction and mental health is one that like, is one that we have to fucking talk about. We can't avoid, you know? And, uh, I think the, the sad fact is, is that for anybody that has dealt with any kind of mental health issues, any trauma in their background, you know, anything like that, we tend to, um, and I say we, cause I'm included in that shit. I got a lot of my own issues and background issues, you know, and, um, we, we tend to gravitate towards things that are band-aids, you know, that are quick fixes, you know, um, um, to cover up those feelings, you know, and unfortunately a lot of us get raised where we're taught that if you speak about these issues, that that's weak and that's, you shouldn't fucking do that and you should stuff it and you should just carry on your business and, you know, just mind your own. And the problem with that is then it creates this, you know, kind of, I always compare it to like shaking a soda or shaking a, a champagne cork, you know, um, yeah. you know, it's, it's eventually going to pop. It's eventually going to crack. And, uh, um, and then it creates grown men, grown women that are those bottles that we were as kids. And now we don't know how to uncork it. And now we don't know how to do those things because we were never taught those things as kids. Or maybe we never felt safe enough that it was okay to twist that top a little bit and to let some steam off and to vent and communicate, you know. And so when you combine, you know, any kind of mental damage, any kind of emotional abuse, any kind of physical abuse, you combine all these things with the Band-Aid that unfortunately drugs and alcohol falsely provide and lie to us tell us that that's going to be the fix the problem is it just continues to bury those those issues you know and i talked i talk a lot to you know newcomers in recovery people that are just trying to get sober or whatever and i i have this <clears throat> i have this metaphor that was shared with me that basically it's like you know driving around with dead bodies in our trunk you know and we can try and act like they're not there and we can try to ignore them you know, or whatever. And we, we don't tell nobody about them, but every time we go through something in our life, they're going to bump around and we're going to feel them and they're going to be there. And until we can face them, until we can deal with it, until I can reach out to somebody and ask for help to get rid of these fucking bodies, 
they're just going to stink up my fucking car. Right. You know? Like, like, and then everywhere I go, I'm going to reek of death and everywhere I go, it's going to end up coming out like that. And it might feel easier to keep it locked away, no, but yeah, but in the long, in the long term, they're just festering and I you think know, or whatever. Also the people that someone comes to need to be trustworthy, need to, that's the, you know, we Facts. need to, it to each other Facts. to be like, I'm not going to monopolize on this because that's what's happened. That's what happens. People are hurt. Yep. You know? And so everybody yep. started because they're like, I opened up and then I got pounced, you know, because everybody's right. on the take. So it's a, it takes a lot of, um, it takes a lot of fucking faith and vulnerability to step out, man. And like, that's it, you know, like that's like, and understanding this, that like, let up, I cut out again for a second, but I, you know, I, for years, chameleon myself for years and whatever the crowd was and whatever, wherever I was, I would chameleon myself to fit in so that I didn't have to, be myself because if I was myself, then you would see my true pain and you would see all this darkness. And then maybe you would judge me. You would hurt me. You would hate me. This, this. And absolutely. There was times and moments when I shared bits of information with somebody that wasn't prepared to properly deal with that, you know, and maybe they dealt with it in an unhealthier way or whatever. And it did what to me and made me shut the fuck down. But the, the problem is I, we can't let that stop us from doing what's best for us. If a person in your life and my life or whatever, you know, we share a bit of information for or with or something like that, and they handle it in our vision improperly, I can't shut down and then fuck myself up. You know what I mean? Like, I have to move on and continue and recognize that even though this person might not have been ready, there's going to be somebody else out there that feels what I'm feeling, that has been through what I've been through, that's walked through the fucking war, and 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 he or she is going to walk through with me too, you know, like, and, and understanding that, like, if I don't, cause that's my whole thing that I, I constantly, cause even sitting here, man, I've been clean and sober for a minute, for a while. And I still struggle to pick up the fucking phone sometimes because my pride, my fear, my ego, my whatever, um, just wants to resist that. But here's the issue is when I do that, I isolate myself emotionally and spiritually from finding any kind of growth. And then I'm back up here in this fucked up head of mine. And like my, my, like my mind is the biggest liar. I know it's the great convincer. It will convince me of bullshit. And so if I can reach out and pick up, you know, my fucking phone that weighs a ton sometimes and hit somebody else out and just vent, communicate, get an outside perspective, get help, I think that's the biggest thing is understanding that no matter how dark your position is in that moment, that you, if there's, I tell people this all the time and I remind myself is if there's breath in our fucking lungs, there's an opportunity to change. Mm -hmm. I don't care who you are. I don't care what your mental health status is. I don't care if you're in fucking prison. I got friends in prison right now. I got friends in the state mental hospital right now. Like if there's breath in your lungs and there is a capability of change. It's whether or not we're willing to do these awkward, these uncomfortable things enough to get to that next fucking stage. And yeah. um, well, what I worry you know, about, because that's on the individual level. And then I think a lot of these fixes, because I think for a guy like Lomo, I think the truth is, is that the issues came before the drugs that came mental health. For sure. And so, and the challenge is there that he, I mean, he was getting help. The Birch program here in Eugene was helping him get in housing. He was doing really good. And it's not that he 
I'm, this isn't an attack on him. What I'm saying is it's that they give everyone's given it everything they got and still slipping. When you become For a sure. statistic, when you become a statistic, that means that enough people know that it's a problem that they're studying it. So at that, right. at that point, this is a big right. like, epidemic of this kind yeah. of stuff. And so this is why I do the show, because my stories are stories of the underrepresented. These are yep. this person who was living on the streets or maybe at the end was housed. I don't I had lost touch because we grew apart. But same, I still will always, always love him, always remember the positives and will always cherish what he brought to this community. You know, so facts, facts. I mean, the reality is, is that like who we are and who we are in addiction are two different people. Yeah, it is that that that's the facts. Like, you know, oh, and, absolutely. you know, it's important and it's ugly, you know, to to look at when we lose a friend or a family member to addiction or alcoholism or suicide or, you know, it's it's like it's hurtful to look at that because we just want to remember the good. We just want to remember these feelings of good. But it's so crucial. And that's why I really respect what you're doing right now to bring attention to like what can we do for yeah. anyone else that's watching that might be in that position through it you know we, we, they're going through it mentally or they're going through it emotionally or they're going through it with addiction and all this type of shit because like what's what's something that i can't control i can't control how much of this fucked up fentanyl shit is on our streets yeah i can't i can't control that yeah. but what i can control is how much energy i can put out there as much as possible to remind any motherfucker that's dealing with this shit that's on the street that the realities of a loss of life and any day being your last is in our face nowadays it's right there at any fucking second and that's why the message of hope right yeah the message of hope that like forgive me nope i think uh I think uh, what the most one of the most meaningful things I've ever heard. My grandma told me this when I lost my mom, that she said, you know, she said it almost kind of snide. She said, uh, "Just remember, kid, you know, you don't forgive them for them. You know, you don't forgive Good people facts. for them." And this is something that changed my life that I remember because it's important that we have this toolkit that when we're in these moments of breakdown, that we remind ourselves how much of a survivor we are, how how you know. The forgiveness Fact. you give to somebody, because I've had to, I've had to forget, I've had to mourn people that were still alive. When you experience oh, that, yep, it's yep. The, you know. So that part, just remember that it, when you're, because I know that a lot of some mental health stuff stems from from unfinished business that you have towards somebody where you feel maybe you you're at a you know power dynamic where you don't have the the strength on it, and so right, it, it just right. beats you down forever. And and. I just think it's important to remember that when you separate yourself from it and it's time to forgive, we got to forgive people for you, for yourself, not for them. You do it for yourself. So, bro, that's so, that's so powerful that you said that, man. Cause yeah, your grandma was on point. Oh yeah. She said and that. I needed it. And the way she said it to me, I needed, cause she was a smart ass in that moment, which she wasn't a smart ass. Like she knew that she had to be to get through to me. She was dropping a gem. She yeah. was dropping a yeah. gem on you. Like, and then she, you know, dropped her little, dropped the mic. But anyway, yeah, exactly. With that, with that, exactly. With Ender one, you know, shout out to, to Lomo, Lauren Morrison. We're going to love, we're going to miss you, man. And I'm going to play a song and it's a really sad one at the end and it's really dark, but I wanted to play it. Ender, or, uh, Rio picked it, hand picked it and said that you got to play this. It's the heaviest and it's the hardest one. And I think it just nails it. His pain. For sure. So we're going to play that. I'm going to, well, yeah. I appreciate you having me, man. And like, yeah, at the end of the day, you know, um, when we, when we lose people, I just want to say this is that 
I feel like it's, especially with a pain like this, where Lomo touched so many lives, so many, so many different aspects is, uh, we just, we carry his name, you know, we, we carry his name through things like this and we carry his name, um, in ways beyond what just we're talking about right here, beyond bigger than rap, bigger than hip hop. Like this is, you know, it's, it's on some other shit, you know, because his effect and his outreach and his smile and his energy, um, yeah, was, was, was bigger than I could put words on for sure. So I appreciate what you're doing for him right now. I do want to say you are going to be doing a show August. What's the date? August, August 11th, a week from tonight. Yep. 50 year anniversary of hip hop. Yeah. That's a big one. I mean, that's the, when, when you, when you do your first wow hall show in Eugene, it's a big deal. This isn't your first (laughs) by far, but like 50th, but I'm saying, no, but wow hall in general. Yeah. (laughs) Well, anybody that knows wow hall in this town knows that that's kind of a legendary spot. And, uh, and I wanted to do it all ages. I haven't got to do an all ages show in this town in a while. And so to be able to do it in my hometown, August 11th, 50 year anniversary and it's my sobriety birthday that same day too that's my 18 years sober so wow wow that's all you're wow old enough to make decisions at this point i'm an old fuck i don't know what to say man that's all we ever have to do anyway ender one i love you so much man thank you so much for the love you too and keep helping the community with your art you know and, and just with your human being so so uh, I'm trying, man. I love you too, man. And I appreciate everything you do. Man. Thanks, man. I'm going to get out of here. We're going to end this with a song. And this is a tough one. Uh, this is Lomo LNA Music with You Are So Ugly. You're so ugly to me. You're so ugly to me. You're so ugly to me. You're so ugly. You're so ugly to me. You're so ugly to me. You're so ugly. in the eyes of the beholder but all i see is ugliness and lies getting older advised from a shoulder Wrong. silence on the other right. the devil's so strong and my angel taking flight dirty lies dirty clues dirty mind dirty views dirtier with time i might as well just turn it i'm a no good piece of shit so worthless i reek of it ain't worth the time let alone the rhyme to speak of it i dig a ditch down deeper than your deepest pit i wanna be alone i kill myself after a week of it i turn a view too many people away i want it so suddenly damn i'm feeling ugly Today. Don't waste an embrace, I'm just Brace. a waste of space Watch try and smile and save face Well I'm lying if that's the case, constant chase Living life like a rat in a race, waiting to die How much longer will it take? You're so ugly to me You're so ugly to me You're so ugly to me You're so Twisted, wonder why I exist. Every friend has come to fists. Every woman leaves me pissed. It's why this rhyme is like a list. Just to help you get the gist. It's just I built me up some walls and I tried to keep a distance. I'm a pessimist wrapped up in a big plastic smile. I rap about love, but I'm in active denial. Acting wild, but my attitude like do or die. Friends saying suicide, it was a suicide. The phone rings, but I don't want to answer it. I don't want to hear, want to feel, or even glance at it. In fact, my plans for it's attach it to a brick. Throw that bitch into the ocean, that's a permanent fix Call me ugly, call me stupid, call me pathetic or hell Cause it ain't nothing I ain't already called myself Don't pity your shitty me, even ugly above me I'm sorry slug, but God doesn't love me You're so ugly to me